Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you ever gotten yourself injured, maybe at home, and then gone to work when you were sick? Or have you gotten injured at work and not know what to do? Well, today I have an expert with me, one of my wonderful colleagues and great folks who specializes in how to help people understand the way that the body works, great body mechanics, and how to keep yourself healthy. I have Dr. Clayton Everline in the studio today, and I'm pleased to say that we're going to demystify what are some of the reasons and rules of work comp, and how does this affect your body, and what are some good ways that you can protect yourself so you can not only do your job, but actually maybe even have your job make your body stronger. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Everline. Aloha. Thank you, Kathy. Now, You know, I see some folks in the office. I've been doing primary care for about 20 years now. And sometimes they'll come in and see me and say, I think I might have a problem that happened. You know, I see a lot of nurses from the hospital floors or people who, like me, are on the computer all day. I think I'm getting some carpal tunnel. I'm having some stuff. What are the most common things that you see in an environment where people may have an injury due to their employment? Well, there's two types. There's uh, repetitive stress injuries and there's acute traumatic injuries. So the uh, repetitive stress injuries were what you were just describing, uh, typing, uh, starting to get numbness, tingling in the fingertips. Uh, The acute traumatic injuries are the slip and falls uh, or uh, even an accident involving a vehicle uh, on the workplace. That's a good way to split them up. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the repetitive injuries, because sometimes it's a little harder to know, you know, when did it start? I mean, I think of some of the folks that I see who usually it's more of a these days. I mean, it just so happens that I see more people that are doing computer stuff. But if you're in construction working with jackhammers or doing something that's repetitive all the time, that could also be a similar type of situation. So in that type of You know, you don't have any sudden day where you wake up and go, oh, it hurts because of something yesterday. It's more of a longer-term kind of situation. Is there anything you can do to prevent that from happening? With repetitive stress injuries, you always have to have good ergonomics and mechanics. So there are plenty of ergonomic aids uh, that can help with keyboarding. Uh, As far as uh, jackhammering or the heavy construction tools, uh, you have to be open in communication with your supervisor or your foreman on uh, rest periods and uh, possible ergonomic aids uh, such as uh, bracing uh, for use uh, during jackhammering and and other uh, heavy vibrational equipment uh, experiences. So it's kind of like the wrist guards that you get for your keyboard. There could be a back guard if you're doing something more construction-oriented. There might be something you could do to prevent it. Could that also be used to treat it if it starts? Yes. Uh, In evaluating and treating uh, repetitive vibrational tool injuries, uh, we, we have been able to get patients back to work faster by appropriate ergonomic bracing. So a lot of folks these days are working from home. And particularly office environment kind of stuff. And it often makes me wonder, you described ergonomics. That's making sure that your your chair and your desk, if it's a computer situation, uh, is at the right height, is the right type of material, or is it the right location. And, you know, those sorts of things are a little bit easier to handle in a workplace 
than they might be if you suddenly transition to a work from home. But it doesn't mean that it's impossible. There are still some ways that you could have that evaluated and make sure that you're doing things correctly. In a construction environment, how would that even be possible? Well, construction environments have their own unique hazards. There's uneven ground. Like I said before, there's vibrational tools. There's unprotected heights. So uh, OSHA, um, Occupational Safety Health Administration, has uh, a whole rule book Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, the companies are supposed to follow. So usually uh, these uh, OSHA guidelines are, are followed to the letter, but injuries can still happen. It's important to document that all OSHA guidelines were followed uh, when on a construction site. So part of the idea is that, hey, there's guidelines out there. If you follow those, you're good. But even the guidelines can't prevent accidents from happening. And sometimes when you mention the acute traumatic injuries, that could be more accidental in nature. So the most common thing that I think about for acute repetitive might be more related to wrist issues, um, elbow issues, those sorts of things, maybe even back issues. Not so much you can do to prevent it other than good ergonomics. Once you have an injury like that, what is the best protocol to follow? So you tell your supervisor, what do you do next? Do they usually suggest that you not do that activity? I can think if what you do is construction, somebody to say, okay, don't construct anymore. What are you going to do, right? That's not really going to be possible. Someone is on the computer all day. Well, don't do that. Well, if that's their job. So so what are some of the ways that those things can be addressed while still allowing someone to, to do their work? Well, a patient can follow proper ergonomics by uh, consulting uh, with their own primary care physician if the claim has come to a point where they have to file a claim because they're having uh, a, acute carpal tunnel uh, neuropathic symptoms and they can't even open a jar or open a door, then, then yes, the, uh, determining the causality from work is important. <clears throat> it's Just a, that you stop doing whatever it is so you mm-hmm. can get better. Yes. So... Uh, to to delve back into the history of workman's compensation, there, there wasn't really a lot of repetitive stress injury claims back in the 1930s when most of the uh, injuries were acute and traumatic. Hmm. Uh, the workers' compensation system operated uh, as a uh, part of the New Deal through Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt, and it was a way for um, big companies who um, – had a lot of liability, like in the coal mines or in large factories, uh, to avoid clogging the courts with litigation. So the grand compromise was that if there were injuries and there was irrefutable evidence that it happened at the workplace, that the worker was entitled to a a percentage of pay, usually 60%, and full medical benefits while they healed from their injury. That sounds really similar to what we do with temporary disability. That's correct. So kind of from the 1930s has found its way Mm -hmm. to what we do. And it's evolved uh, on the state level in every state in the United States. So each of the 50 states has their own workman's compensation system. Ah, so it's not national. It's state-based. Right. 
And federal workers have a federal work compensation system called the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs. So if you're a U.S. Postal employee or if you work at Pearl Harbor, then you would be covered under the Federal Office of Workmen's Compensation Programs. This is why I'm glad you're here, because I didn't know any of that. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Everline about what do you do with these acute injuries and how does that affect your ability to do your job and what can be done to help prevent you from having chronic problems as a result. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Clayton Everline here in the studio. And today we're talking about workers' injuries and how you can prevent that from being a lifelong issue. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about repetitive stress injuries. These might be things related to doing the same activity at work and why this potentially might be related to what we call ergonomics, body positioning or the positioning of your chair or your construction work. Depending on what you're doing, how can you make sure that you're doing it at the right angle so that you don't injure yourself and you're able to continue to do that? Now, We've alluded to and we've talked a little bit about acute trauma. So what would be some of the things that you might see that would present, that would be an acute trauma from a work type of situation? Well, I could go head to toe or toe to head. You choose. Let's go head to toe. I'll I'll choose option A. Head to toe. So an example of a head injury may be uh, working Uh, at a shipyard and having a steel beam uh, being loaded by another worker accidentally hits you in the head when you weren't looking. You may or may not have been wearing a hard hat. Uh, You may or may not have gone to the emergency department. But you're feeling confused, sensitive to light, maybe some nausea, maybe some irritability, maybe some forgetfulness. Concussions are quite frequent on the workplace, uh, especially in the more hands-on physical labor, but they can happen at the office. I've had cases where people have had doors opened on them, uh, hitting them in the head. Uh, Neck injuries are quite common, especially in the uh, clerical and office environments where uh, we have you hunched over a computer in some C-shaped posture where your shoulders are rolled forward, your neck is craned forward. and I feel uh, like you're like describing where I'm sitting right now. I'm going to improve my posture. Okay. That's correct. All right. We Good call example. it uh, death by chair. Death uh, by chair. Okay. I don't want to have that happen. <laughs> I'm improving my posture as we talk. Okay. Uh, going into the shoulder, there could be a fall on uneven ground at the workplace. There could be uh, a heavy lifting incident where you're reaching overhead, trying to pull something heavy down. I have a lot of flight attendants assisting customers with overhead baggage. They have partial or even full rotator cuff tears. Oh, yeah, because we always have light baggage, said me never. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Put a little bit more in there than we should. Uh, going into the mid-back, we have rib injuries uh, from 
uh, acute impact. We have uh, mid and low back injuries from heavy or even light lifting with uh, poor biomechanics or even just age uh, plus overload uh, leading to uh, sprains, strains in the uh, musculature of the low back and even the interspinal ligaments. We have hip injuries. We have falls onto the hip that could lead to hip fractures or trochanteric bursitis. We can have knee injuries from falls onto flexed or hyperextensions of the knee. Uh, we can have exacerbations of arthritis. We can have ankle sprains. We have toe and foot injuries, and that's your head-to-toe rundown. Wow, okay. Any body part mm-hmm. could break, be twisted, be sprained or strained, and or concussed with your head. Okay, so I just went back up the other direction. Mm-hmm. All and right. We, we left out the elbow, the wrist, the hand, and the fingers. Uh, but, uh, yes, head-to-toe, everything uh, is vulnerable to an injury. Now, if you have something like that happen— it's important to tell your supervisor or tell somebody at your workplace. The The first thing some folks do is, oh, I threw my back out. Maybe I should just go home. But if that's the case, maybe they're not going to do exactly what they need to do to help that injury heal. So, so let's just say somebody lifts something and, the, you know, you mentioned age plus overload. I like that, that uh, equation. Mm-hmm. So you're a little older and you lift something too heavy and you use your back and you don't use your legs or bend your knees and now you have back troubles, what should you do? Well, if this happened on the job and uh, there is a protocol for filing your claim, I would follow the protocol. To Tell your boss. Absolute T. Okay. Yeah, make sure you get everything documented. Uh, don't try to hide the injury. Don't fear any retribution for being injured on the job. Make sure that you report it as soon as possible and as detailed as possible. Now, you mentioned don't hide, don't feel there's retribution. Those are the two reasons that I often see people who say, I don't want to report it because they fear those things. But there's actually laws to protect them. There are laws to protect them, yes. So if you have an injury that happens when you're on the job and you have a mechanism of injury and you have all the information or somebody else witnessed that as well, report it because the idea... The whole goal is that if you have an injury at work, you will have some protection for your job if you can't do it to the same degree for a duration of time you need to heal. But also, this will allow for for you to at least have a different, even in some cases, a whole different medical insurance cover for that. And there may be some benefits that you would have that would not be the same as your regular health insurance. Maybe you wouldn't have a copay or there'd be additional types of treatments that are covered. So there's actually some good reasons why you'd want to do that as opposed to, I'll just use my vacation time next week, because it might actually be better for you in the long run. That's correct. If I could make that public service announcement, I would would put the analogy that if you had a car accident on the road, and, and my clinic handles a lot of uh, car, car accidents, accidents as, well, as well, right? you wouldn't have an agreement with the other driver to say, let's just forget about this and drive off because then you waive all your rights immediately at that time. You have to document, you have to follow the protocol and procedure so you preserve your rights throughout the claim. And a lot of folks would probably be remiss to, to file a workman's compensation claim because it has a reputation for having delayed 
access to care. Uh, but notwithstanding, uh, you should still file the claim if it legitimately happened at work. And although there's a thought that there may be delayed care, where you work, you fit people in, you see people all the time, there, there isn't, you might not be able to see your same provider mm-hmm. that you normally see for your blood pressure or cholesterol, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You may have to see someone who specializes in work comp, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, if they not. know more about injury mechanisms and healing than, mm-hmm. than I would, I'll tell you now they would, mm-hmm. then, then that's actually to your benefit to be able to take advantage of their expertise because you have expertise in, in areas of body mechanics that I, Am am not aware of, so mm-hmm. I don't want to lead people down a bad path. That's correct, and and not only would I have expertise in the occupational mechanism of injury, my entire staff has expertise in assisting the patient in filing the claim, filing the treatment plans, getting those treatment plans approved and executed. Uh, whereas uh, another, I would mess it up. Yeah. I'll be honest, Clay. I would mess it up. I'd be like, I need to do a report. Oh, okay. Do I get an A? So you know, I know I would not be the good person to to be in charge of that. So so there's definite reasons why people want to take advantage of the expertise that may be offered to them, and uh, there may have theoretically in the past have been delays in care, but in reality, I have to say, anytime I've ever seen someone who's gone through this work comp process. There have been excellent orthopedic doctors, surgeons, neurologists, et cetera, who have all been able to provide wonderful care for them. That's correct. And we, we do have many fine orthopedic surgeons on this island, and uh, just about all of them that I know uh, take workman's compensation. Because there's a lot of injuries. Yes. Uh, but they usually need somebody to be the treating provider of record, and that's where my office can step in and assist the patients with the ongoing uh, treatment plan, uh, submissions, and executions. Because you know what it is. Yes, ma'am. Don't let me mess it up, man. I'll tell you. I know I would. Okay. So what if somebody has an injury like, let's just say this person who has back trouble, they lift something heavy, they feel like their back has gone out, they go to tell their employer, they, they submit a claim, it's reviewed, it says, yes, go see a provider, they see someone like you. How would you evaluate a situation of acute low back discomfort? I mean, in the beginning... It might be so painful, it's hard for them to even come in to see you or do much. But mm-hmm. how do you evaluate those sorts of situations? And how is that different than something where maybe they just had chronic back pain that I might see in the office? What magic do you do that I should be learning how to do? Or maybe I don't need to do it because it's different acute versus chronic. Yeah, there's there's really no magic or voodoo. Medicine is medicine, whether it happens at the workplace or it happens uh on the sports field or even at home. Uh, mechanical low back pain is uh, pervasive in our society, both because we sit a lot at work, we drive a lot in our car, and uh, sometimes we just don't have the proper core muscle strength to stabilize a spine that is invariably uh, degenerating with age. So, uh, you know, what, what, I, what I tell folks who have heavy lifting jobs and uh, they have acute low back pain with muscle spasms. It's really one of the most humbling and debilitating experiences you can have. Um, I personally had it. Uh, it, it. It just it keeps you barely able to go to bed or get out of bed or use the bathroom. 
but the good news is that the majority of mechanical low back pain does get better with uh, proper physical therapy. If it does end up being a significant exacerbation of degenerative disc disease and there's a sciatic nerve component or there's nerve impingement at the roots that exit uh, through the spinal column from the spinal cord, then we have board-certified anesthesia pain management doctors that can do epidural injections, radiofrequency ablations. There's spine surgeons that would take workman's compensation. And hopefully it never comes to that, but there's a whole stepwise algorithm that we do follow to make sure that the patient uh, gets every single aspect of their injury and care addressed. Well, that is definitely reassuring to hear. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I have Dr. Clayton Everline in the studio with me. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the one magic I do know in medicine, and that's physical therapy, how important it is to keep your body moving, to prevent injuries, but how that's essential even when you do have an injury. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Clayton Everline in the studio. He works at WorkStar, and he is an expert in workers' compensation types of injuries and claims and body mechanics and ways to keep your body safe and keep yourself from having the age plus overload equation. I loved that. I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm going to write that on my mirror so I keep that. Now, we talked real briefly about things that people can do, and one of the things that I think is You know, I look at some of our first responders and, you know, straw behind us is HPD. And I often will see some of the HPD folks running and doing some of their workouts as part of their job. So they all come in a group and they're heading back to the offices and you can see that they've been doing exercise. And I know that firefighters do the same thing. So part of their job is to stay in shape and stay fit. And as a result, they do activities on the job to be able to do so. I honestly think everybody should do that because wouldn't it be great? I want to get paid to exercise. But I also think it's there's something really important about keeping the body limber when you're doing activities. You know, the age factor is something we can't change. But keeping our body in a position where we can do the job that we're hired to do and being careful about body mechanics is incredibly important. And you mentioned the one area that I think is magical, and that is physical therapy. So what are the most common reasons why people go to physical therapy? And can it ever be used proactively, preventatively? Yes. So usually 50% of uh, sports injuries because I am a sports medicine doctor by fellowship training. Uh, We're both internists. You're the Uh, expert in sports med, I'll tell you. (laughs) Uh, 50% of sports injuries are caused by a prior injury. So there may be issues with the low back, the knee, the hip, 
where there may have been an injury even in childhood, adolescence, or early adulthood that just led to some kind of uh, kinetic chain breakdown and uh, predisposed to a work injury. That's not to say that the work injury itself um, is not a valid claim, uh, but proactive physical therapy, what I like to call prehabilitation, um, is very important. Now, the the reactive nature of uh, medical reimbursement. You can't really go to your primary care doctor and say, hey, I don't want to get hurt on the job. Can you write me some physical therapy? Uh, It's usually the other way around. Uh, It's usually, I have an injury. I need physical therapy. Can you help me uh, get access to that? But there are lots of resources at gyms, community health centers uh, that can help you uh, get into shape uh, to work uh, safely and sustainably, uh, including core muscle training, uh, proper biomechanics, and ergonomic training. So, yeah, I do agree that uh, preventative maintenance is, is very important, and you can utilize physical therapy in consultation with your primary physician by coming to them and saying, hey, look, I, I do have a heavy lifting job. I am concerned that at some point in my career I'm going to have an issue. Can you help me find some options on on preventative measures for that? And how to do it correctly. Yes. You know, before there's an injury. Yes. Because that's that's the other key. How often do you find physical therapy is helpful to folks? And and I have my own little uh, little side note. I've never had somebody go to PT and say it made me worse. They've always said they've learned something and they got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same way in when you see folks? Yeah. Personally and professionally, I believe physical therapy helps 100% of the time. Uh, there are very rare instances where an accident in physical therapy could cause uh, further injury, whether from equipment malfunction or uh, uh, from the patient using um, poorer form or not having correct supervision, but that is exceedingly rare. Uh, physical therapy, in my experience, I write for physical therapy on almost every patient I see. Uh, and it always helps. Sometimes I feel that my role is just to monitor the progress of physical therapy as the worker heals using proper diet, exercise, and and enough rest um, during the course of their recovery. Do you see that most folks that you come in contact with who have a worker's injury are able to go back to doing what they were previously doing? Yeah, in my experience, and that experience has been years now, uh, I, I find that the sooner uh, the patient gets access to care, the better the outcome. Uh, there are, unfortunately, some cases that uh, lead to a, a permanent partial or total disability, but the majority of cases, in my experience, do return to some form of work. Uh, they either return to full-time regular duty or if there is a, a significant injury that impairs their ability to return to full-time regular duty, they find um, modified duty or they do a, what's called a functional capacity evaluation to see what they can do. There's vocational rehab specialists that uh, help them get into new positions. So the main goal is to keep anybody who's involved in a work injury productive healthy and safe. And there's no reason to fear reporting an injury 
or retribution or just being afraid and hiding it because all of these different options are available to you mm-hmm. if you go through the path that you described. Yeah. So like I said, it's just like an accident on the road. It's not only your right, it's your obligation to report an accident at the workplace just like if you were behind the wheel uh, because it preserves your rights, it ensures proper documentation, it makes sure that nobody gets uh, ignored or, uh, or, or substandard care. Well, and it may actually help somebody who comes after you because yes. if you find something that needs to be changed, that may actually help the whole entire workplace. Well, I have to say, I've learned a lot personally, and I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. Thank you, Dr. Cosette. Dr. Clayton Everline works at WorkStar, and his primary office is out at Kapolei. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. And we will see you right here next week when we talk more about ways to stay healthy and keep yourself going and not have age and overload get you down. And we'll see you next Monday right here on The Body Show.